0: Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this wonderful church family that you've blessed us with here. We thank you for children. It's a providential that I get to preach this sermon. I didn't plan it this way on this same day that we were able to announce this 10th child. It seems like you're blessing us with, Lord. And so I pray that whether we have two children, 10 children, no children, whatever the case, that we would have a high view of children. I pray that would be the case for this church and that we would always respond wonderfully to announcements of, of pregnancies and births that we would see children as they're presented in your word which is very positively as blessings a uh, gift reward as psalm 127 says i pray this morning lord as we talk about having children in worship i know that might not be common i know people come in here they see all the children they maybe they sometimes they wonder if they're heading out to their own children's church people have come in and asked me before where where they're supposed to take their children they might seem surprised when i tell them to take them next to them in the pew and so i pray lord that there would be an understanding of our vision for children to be present in worship that we we could all support that vision help me to rightly divide your word and only say what is true from it that my opinion would be removed and i pray you would just work in each person's heart whether this teaching is familiar or unfamiliar lord that you would just help us to for your word to grip our hearts and for us to be bound to it and we ask this in christ's name amen Amen, Amen. so tell this morning sermon is should we have children in worship should we have children in worship so sometime back the elders and i were talking about this sermon explaining why we generally do things as families and why we have children in worship and whether that should be something that should be preached to the church and I decided to do it now before we get back into Luke just because I did not want to have another interruption in Luke obviously this is an interruption in Luke but if I didn't preach this sermon now I'd have to interrupt Luke again to preach this sermon and I wanted to deliver it before returning to Luke honestly I feel like I probably should have preached this sermon some time ago because I've heard uh, enough people ask why we have children in worship most people my perception is think well or positively of us having children in worship but you can almost think of this like a position sermon you know churches have position papers where they explain their view of certain topics and why they feel that way or why they do certain things or do things a certain way well this is like a position paper but that's a sermon and i do hope we will be able to point people back to this if you're ever talking to someone in the future and they ask you why this church keeps the children present for worship then you can even point them back to this sermon I want to illustrate what i hope to do with this message by sharing something from my past in sports so growing up i played soccer basketball and baseball when i got into junior high and high school i switched to football repented of playing basketball started wrestling and doing track when i was an elementary school teacher i coached high school and junior high wrestling and i coached elementary school Uh, Flag football and girls basketball have I ever told you guys that I coached girls basketball elementary school basketball for a year No, it was it was actually pretty exciting I can never tell you guys that before because I thought if I did Jake probably would not come on and become an elder (laughs) But now he probably it's probably too late So you're stuck so I can I can let the cat out of the bag that there was one year that I coached girls basketball It was actually it was either that or be in charge of the school garden So I chose (laughs) yes that's the truth so I took coaching girls basketball it was actually really thrilling so anyway let's just move on here so so in my experience playing and coaching I found that there is one coach who receives far and above more criticism than all the other coaches probably combined and that is a football coach It's my brother-in-law DJ where's he at where's DJ you agree with that does it seem that way Yes, because high school football or college or professional football coaches, really any football coach, is responsible with calling the plays, and there are almost always individuals who think they're calling the wrong plays, or some other plays would have been better. Katie and I attended a small school. There were less than, if you didn't know that, Katie and I grew up together in Northern California, attended a small school. And there were less than 20 guys on the football team. I think we had 16 or 17 guys. So that meant that if you had a pulse, you played offense, defense, and special teams, right? You just basically didn't leave the field when I played. On offense, I played running back, and I had my own thoughts about play calling. There were times that I thought it would have been better if the coach had called a different play. But then something happened one day that changed everything for me. I overheard the coach explaining why he was calling the plays the way that he was. And he said, we run this play, and this play sets up this play, and then this play sets up this play. And then if they respond this way, we run this play, but if they respond this way, then we respond with this other play. And listening to him explain all of his play calling helped me understand why he was doing what he was doing. And it became easy for me to support his vision, and so I was actually able to play the whole rest of the season in football with with confidence in what he was doing even though he hadn't changed anything because now i finally understood his thinking behind it and that's what i hope to do with this sermon i would like you to be able to understand what we are doing having children in the worship service why we are doing it this way and hopefully for you to be able to support that vision as well because when new people come into the church pastor nathan and myself or the other elders cannot get to all of them you're the ones who need to look for new people and talk to them they could ask you what to do with their children and then you have to be able to answer that and then when you say what do what do you do with your children well you kind of set them next to in the pew and then when they look at you with a confused face you need to be able to explain to them why we have children in worship and so i hope that this sermon will equip you to do that Now, I'll explain why the elders and I thought this sermon was necessary, besides the reasons already mentioned. We all tend to be convinced of whatever we first experience. Do you see how that's true? Whatever we first experience or are first taught is what we tend to think is true. And this is why people who are raised Buddhist typically stay Buddhist, people that are raised Mormon typically stay Mormon, Jehovah's Witnesses, Pentecostals, Presbyterians, whatever the case, generally stay same with Baptists we're Baptistic stay without thinking if it's what they're first exposed to if you go into many churches across the nation the norm is for parents and children to be separated for the worship service or for many church activities or events if they're the church service the kids are going to be dismissed sometimes they sit their music sometimes they don't sit their music and then they go to children's church to receive their own sermon if there's a midweek service often the young people are going to go to the youth group because this is so common it is what most people are first exposed to and they become convinced that it is right simply because it is all that they've known they've never seen anything different than that so it can almost require a paradigm shift for people who have never thought about church any other way so it's not really that they're opposed to having children in the worship service it's just that they've never seen anything different than that it's just not on their radar many people might be surprised to know two things that first throughout the Old Testament as we'll see this morning and then throughout most of church history it was the norm for children to beware in the worship service and outside of the United States even today what is the norm throughout most of the rest of the world not what we see in American churches throughout most of the rest of the world today the norm is for children to be in the worship service with their parents I shared with you before that we've been part of a Christian hospitality Network called a candle in the window we highly recommend it and one of the first families to stay with us who's actually coming back to stay with us again tonight was a Chinese family who came to the United States so that the father, Peter, could re- receive seminary training and then return to China to plant churches. Well, I thought it was incredible to have a Chinese family who spent most of their Christian life worshiping in China in my house to share with me and my family what church in China is like. And so I, th- I enjoyed so much hearing him share about church in China that I entertained having him come here and I might still do this on a Sunday morning during Sunday School and just sharing about what church is like in China because I think it would probably be good for all of us myself included to kind of be lifted up and out of our Americanized view of church to get a better understanding of what church looks like elsewhere he did end up this gentleman Peter did end up showing up to surprise us on a Sunday night service he was just going to sit through the service I didn't know he was coming but as soon as I saw him I grabbed Pastor Nathan who was supposed to teach and I said hey would you mind if Peter shared Pastor Nathan said he'd graciously be fine with Peter sharing and I grabbed Peter and I said hey could you share and so some of you were here that Sunday night when Peter shared about his ministry and about their them coming to Salvation in China and uh, his desire to plant churches there you've heard me talk before about my friend Carrie Green who pastors a church up north in Lake Stevens and Carrie and his wife Lois were missionaries in Germany which they planned to do for the rest of their lives until they were told that they could not homeschool. And so then they left Germany and came back to the United States and planted the church up in Lake Stevens that we frequented a few times. But the reason that Carrie's church has children in the worship service is that's what they had done in Germany, or that's what had been the case he said, in Europe, when we've gone up to stay with the Greens, Kerry Green and his wife Lois, it was enjoyable just to listen to them talk about worship and, uh, or about church life in Germany and what it looked like. And again, it was having children in the worship service. Now, with that said, even if the norm throughout human history is children being in the worship service, or even if that's the norm throughout most of the world today, that's still not really the question for us. Is it? The question is, what does God's word say? So let's take a look at that, and this brings us to lesson one. In the Bible, children were present when part one rejoicing. In the Bible, children were present when part one rejoicing. We'll begin with Deuteronomy 16:10. I'll read through these verses quickly because we have quite a few to look at, and this is not an exhaustive list. I had to trim quite a bit from this sermon, which is why we'll have another one next week. But this morning, we're going to focus on the verses from the Old Testament that I could fit in this sermon. I wanted to minimize the amount of flipping, so we're going to look at these verses chronologically through the Old Testament. So in Deuteronomy 16.10, which is where you were for Scripture reading, it says, "...you shall keep the Feast of Weeks to the Lord your God with the tribute of a freewill offering from your hand, which you shall give as the Lord your God blesses you." and you shall rejoice before the lord your god and then notice this you and your son and your daughter so they were to celebrate the feast of weeks as families with their sons and daughters present skip to verse 13. you shall keep the feast of booths seven days when you have gathered in the produce from your threshing floor and your wine press you shall rejoice in your feast And for this time of rejoicing again it says you and your son and your daughter so they were also supposed to celebrate the feast of booths with their children present the next part of lesson one in the bible children were present when part two god's word was read part two god's word was read and then you can turn to deuteronomy 31. moses is going to read the law to the nation and look at verse 12 deuteronomy 31 verse 12. he says assemble the people men women and little ones notice that and the little ones and the sojourner within your towns that they may hear and learn to fear the lord your god and be careful to do all the words of this law so Moses is going to read the law and he wants everyone including the children present now listen to this there is a Hebrew word for children and that Hebrew word is Bain but the Hebrew word here for little ones is taf, and it means little children so he's not even talking about teenagers or youths or even older children we've got toddlers in mind here or infants into in verse 12 when it says little ones think toddlers or infants look in verse 13 he says and that their children who have not known it these children may hear the law being read and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land that you're going over the Jordan to possess so I want you to notice something twice in verses 12 and 13 it talks about the very youngest children or infants or toddlers not just hearing God's word but learning from it so that they would come to what what does it say it says even they would come to fear the Lord or when I was going over the sermon with my wife she pointed out that the Amplified Bible adds and to worship him because a fear of God produces a worship of God and I really want you to see this in these two verses because there is a very unfortunate and I would say unbiblical belief that children cannot hear God's word and understand it the idea is they're too young they will not be able to pay attention but right here we're seeing a very strong and clear declaration about God's word working in children's hearts and so to say that God's Word would be we're only talking being read here we're not even talking about preached Moses just stood up and read the law which is the books of Moses or the Pentateuch or the first five books of the Bible I suppose or at least what we see in Leviticus and he read that law that was given to him on Sinai to all the people and just the reading of it was going to go out wash over these children and Cause them to fear God so Moses' confidence was not in the children themselves his confidence was not in their ability to understand or be old enough or wise enough to process everything that they were hearing instead where was Moses's confidence which is the same place our confidence should be in the Word of God or by extension the Holy Spirit To capture these children's hearts or work in their hearts while the word is going out and washing over them and transforming them and we should have this same confidence in god's word that it is powerful and that it can work in our children's hearts while it's being read i know many of you would testify to this one of the greatest blessings for me since being here in 2010 is the number of people who have come up to me after sermons and told me, I cannot believe the number of things that my children learned. You would not believe the number of things that they remembered from your sermon. I'll have parents tell me, my, my kids caught things during the sermon that I didn't. In fact, I'm becoming more convinced the kids here listen better than the adults. That was just a joke. Sorry, I didn't mean that really. So, <laughs> but it blesses me every time one of you come and tell me, that you're surprised pleasantly by how much your kids are learning or being convicted of or appreciating from the sermons. Next, turn to Joshua 8:35. Joshua 8:35. This time, instead of Moses, Joshua is going to read the law, and you can see that he wants everyone present. Joshua 8:35 there was not a word of all that moses commanded that joshua did not read before all the assembly of israel so joshua read everything that moses had written and the women here it is again and the little ones and this is that same hebrew word not for children but for toddlers or infants and the sojourners who lived among them so again god's word is read even the youngest are present and i want you to notice it says not a word of all that Moses commanded that Joshua did not read so more than likely this has the Pentateuch in view or the early books in in your Bible and it seems that Joshua just read it I'm guessing it would have taken a really long time I don't think there was any dog and pony show I don't think there was anything extravagant or fancy about it we're I mean even this would look fancy having lessons up up on a screen compared to what it was like in the in the promised land when Joshua did this and I just ask you to think for a second which is I believe a sad commentary on some churches today or perhaps even on us if this is our heart what might our response be if we have children and God's word is simply going to be read or God's law was going to be read in its fullness to them well you know I I I'm sorry but this is not going to work my kids are going to be bored they're not going to understand they're not going to be able to sit still this is going to go over their heads you know where are the games that they need to be playing or the crafts and I'm not even putting down games and crafts but I'm just making the point that God expected children to sit and hear god's word read to them and they were able to benefit greatly from that and we should have that same confidence and desire the next part of lesson one in the bible children were present when part three seeking the lord and then turn to second chronicles 20. in the bible children were present when part three seeking the lord second Chronicles 20. so Samuels Kings Chronicles here in Joshua Pass out Samuels Kings Chronicles this happened to be the chapter that we were in Wednesday night for our verse-by-verse study through second Chronicles Joshua was attacked by many enemies look at verse one this was a horrible situation for him where he probably believed well we can see he's going to be very afraid in a moment but look how many enemies attack him here in verse one after this the Moabites Ammonites and with them some of the Meunites came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, "The great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hazen Tamar. This is in Gedi, so they'd reached in Gedi. And then look at verse 3, Jehoshaphat was afraid, and he set his face to seek the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So it's a terrifying moment, could have looked like the Jews were done for. we're even told Jeremiah or Josaphat the king himself was afraid for the people, for for the nation. Now look at verse thirteen. Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones. Again, this is the same Hebrew word for little children, their wives and their children. So Josaphat faces a desperate situation and he says I want the entire nation seeking the Lord now what could some people argue well you know the children who are too young they don't know what's going on maybe we don't even want them to know the details they might be afraid they can't pray they can't seek the Lord so let's not worry about them let's just get all of the people of of a certain maturity or prayer life present for this no Joseph said bring everyone I want everyone present men women children of any age the next part of lesson one. In the Bible children were present when part four confessing sin, and then turn to Ezra ten at the next book of the Bible. Children were present when part four confessing sin. And then Ezra ten. probably only 15 or 16 chapters ahead after second chronicles 20. so ezra ezra chapter 10 verse 1 it says while ezra prayed and he made confession weeping and casting himself down before the house of god there was a very great assembly of men women and children gathered to him out of israel For the people were weeping bitterly and this is why shek and i the son of Jehiel of the sons of elam addressed ezra and he said we have broken faith with our god we've married foreign women from the peoples of the land but even now there is hope for israel in spite of this you might remember this situation in israel's history where it seemed the messianic line can be contaminated by the jews intermarrying with these pagans and so ezra recognized the sinfulness of god's people being unequally yoked and so he has this time of national or corporate confession and contrition about their sin and what's interesting to me is if you had or if i had to choose one place in all of scripture where i would expect the children not to be gathered when the nation is gathered this would be it because you can't argue that the children had nothing to do with this sin (laughs) it was the sin of marrying pagans which these infants or toddlers were absolutely innocent of so you could argue that they wouldn't be expected to be there yet still ezra says or they were still expected to be brought there for this time of corporate confession turn to the right to nehemiah 12 verse 43 the context is they just finished building the wall so the next book after ezra is Nehemiah because i wanted to look at the verses in order this verse actually would have worked better back with the first part of the lesson about rejoicing this is another example of rejoicing but i didn't want you to have to flip this far ahead and then flip back but right here they finished building the wall around jerusalem and look at ne- nehemiah twelve forty three. they offered great sacrifices that day and they rejoiced for god had made them rejoice with great joy and then notice this the women and the children also rejoiced and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away so another example of rejoicing everyone present including the children now turn to Psalm 148 Psalm 148 so toward the middle of your Bible Psalms 148 Nehemiah Esther Job Psalms right after Job while you turn there this is one of the more well-known psalms about praising the lord i'm not going to have you look at the different verses but many of the verses begin with a command to praise the lord that is the theme of this psalm and if you look in verse 12 psalm 148 verse 12 here's the command young men and maidens together old men and children let them praise the name of the lord for his name alone is exalted his majesty is above earth and heaven so he says bring out everyone young old male female children adults to praise god the next part of lesson one in the bible children were present when part five repenting part five repenting you don't have to turn to this last place it's in joel 2 if you wanted to it's a little harder one of the minor prophets to find but in the bible children are present when repenting and we see this in the book of joel joel 2 is famous largely because of acts or because of pentecost because when peter preached his great sermon on the day of pentecost he quoted from joel 2. so joel 2 contains the passage about the great and terrible day of the lord which peter then preaches which produces contrition or conviction in all of these uh people present, and followed by that repentance. Now, in the chapter, the same thing occurs. Joel talks about the great and terrible day of the Lord coming, and people should fear that day, seek to avoid it, and they can do so by repenting. And so, after Joel talks to them about the great and terrible day of the Lord, he calls them to repent, and listen to this, Joel 2.12. The lord declares return to me with all your heart with fasting with weeping with mourning or with repentance of your sins rend your hearts instead of your garments let your hearts be broken or torn or ripped over your sin not just the garments you're tearing he calls them to repent and then listen to whom joel expects to be present blow joel 2 15 blow the trumpet in zion consecrate a fast call a solemn assembly keep that in mind that this is a solemn assembly gather the people consecrate the congregation assemble the elders gather the children even nursing infants is what Joel 2 16 says for this solemn assembly and it's solemn because the people are expected to repent he says get the elders get the children get even the nursing infants for this solemn assembly and I want to make a point about this sometimes you'll hear people argue that children shouldn't be present for the worship service because this is a solemn assembly and so the idea is it is irre- it is irreverent to have children in our solemn assembly who might make noise or stop it from being solemn but we see even here in scripture when a solemn assembly is called for and the desired outcome of that assembly is repentance which is one other time people might argue children need to be there god still expected the infants it says actually nursing infants now we're seeing a verse joel two sixteen. if you want to look it up for yourself it, it doesn't just say gather the children it says gather the nursing infants and so as i've said many times before we love to have infants in worship we know that they're going to make noise that is fine with us we try to leave the foyer clear I look back there most of the time when I'm preaching and it's clear for any mothers that want to go back there with a with an infant or a father that wants to go back there or a brother or sister or just someone being helpful to the family wants to go back there with an infant we try to keep the foyer free from them for them and if a woman is uncomfortable nursing in the foyer then we've also got the the nursery in the hallway which is available and we're working I don't think we have this service streaming on the television in there but we've got a flat screen TV in there installed we'll have the service probably streaming in there in the near future and what one of the nice things there were some years here we had the nursery staffed and I don't I don't know if you guys will agree with me about this I'm just blessed we're not staffing anymore to be honest there's kind of a do you, you understand you might not understand this from being on this side but I can just tell you from on this side You would not believe the machine it is to try to run all the volunteers and everything needed and required to do service differently than this the great blessing it is to just bring families together for worship like this the you you don't need all the signups you don't need all the, the the whole machine doesn't have to run that way and it's an incredible blessing when you're on this side of things to have it be this way where families come together and you then have parents who are responsible For their children versus the church itself being responsible for their children which is what i think is the biblical approach and it's not easy for me i mean my wife's a single mother on sundays and so i appreciate the people who come alongside katie to help her we definitely don't take this approach because we think it's easiest probably talk more about that next sunday listen to william bradford's 1623 thanksgiving proclamation he said all ye pilgrims with your wives and your little ones do gather at the meeting house on the hill there and there listen to the pastor and render thanksgiving to the almighty god for all his blessings now my suspicion is william bradford wanted the early pilgrims to live according to god's word which is why his this famous quote or his instruction sounds very much like the verses that we read because it was following this pattern in scripture of children being in worship Now the next lesson lesson two we want to foster a positive view of children lesson two we want to foster a positive view of children i've heard horror stories of mothers who shared that when they shared that they were pregnant they received some worldly responses either making fun of them or discouraging them things that were said jokingly but were really actually pretty cutting but they weren't talking about responses they heard from neighbors they were not talking about responses they heard from coworkers. these were people who told me these were responses that they heard in churches If there is one place where pregnancies and children should be celebrated it is the church whether you have one child or are expecting a tenth child or two children and can i I just tell you everyone is self-conscious about children people are self-conscious if they have a lot of children a few children or no children it's always a sensitive topic for almost everyone and so the very best thing you can do is have a positive view of children and celebrate them and say praise the Lord this is so wonderful the news I will be praying for you and for your pregnancy we just don't want to have that sort of worldly attitude here it's the world that hates children the world murders children if there's one place children or infants should be celebrated it's in God's house probably the most well-known passage Psalm 127 verse three through five behold children are a heritage from the lord the fruit of the womb a reward like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them he shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate and so because scripture presents children so positively we want to view them very positively now something really sweet happened this past week we wanted to surprise our kids this morning at church with the announcement that that katie is expecting And I had taken the kids to Walmart with me on Friday, my day off, to get groceries and to give them haircuts and to pick up Katie's Zofran prescription. Some of you might have noticed that George's hair was getting pretty long. Did you guys notice that? George was starting to look a little more like Georgina, wasn't he? (laughs) So it's a funny story. I asked Jake and Kelly if I could share this. There's this Wednesday night recently when Abigail was running, we're in the fellowship hall, and Abigail's running out the back doors of the fellowship hall. And so Jake starts yelling to her, and he goes, "Abigail, Abigail, get back here!" And Kelly goes, "Jake, that's George." <laughs> and I thought, okay, we have been busy, but we're, we need to get this dude a haircut. <laughs> so I took him Friday, and I got a haircut. And I gotta say, I think he is looking good. This yeah. haircut. So we're at Walmart for haircuts picking up groceries and picking up Katie's Zofran prescription nobody knows that Katie is expecting and I'm standing in line at the pharmacy (laughs) and Johnny looks at me and he said why are we getting Zofran for mommy is she pregnant (laughs) and I said she is And then he got emotional. And I got emotional. Pharmacists got emotional. Everyone at Walmart just got all emotional. (laughs) So I grabbed Johnny and I pulled his head in on my shoulder and we just kind of stood there, both of us pretty emotional about Katie expecting this child. I mean, you'd almost think that the 10th time it'd be getting normal for us, but I guess we're still not getting used to it my point is this that's what I want my children to think that's the response that I want from them I want them to rejoice I want them to get emotional I want them to celebrate I want them to be thankful for this new life an eternal being that is being grown inside of their mother that they're going to be able to meet Lord willing someday and I have to applaud this church for helping my children have that view I'm thankful to pastor church that has such a high view of children I'm I've always wanted my children to cry in Walmart when they hear their mother is pregnant (laughs) (laughs) and one of the best ways to have that high view of children is to have children around it is very hard to have a high view of children when they're never here I shared old testament verses next week we're going to look at some new testament verses but i couldn't fit them all on this sermon for now i just want to be clear about two things first the bible contains a consistent pattern of having children in worship second there is no pattern or even examples that i could find of children being separated from worship now i'll share one common argument i've heard because it could be an argument you've heard and it goes like this scripture doesn't forbid children from worshiping separately and if it was that big of a deal for children to worship separately god would forbid it but since he doesn't it must be okay for children to worship separately this is known as an argument from silence and we never want to make arguments from silence especially over spiritual matters and what i mean by that is we build our theology from what scripture says we do not build our theology from what scripture doesn't say so we say this is what we believe because this is what the bible says we don't say this is what we believe because this is not what the because the bible doesn't say this or the bible is silent on this issue and i want to illustrate this with one of the main arguments for homosexual marriage and i'm trying to do two things with this sermon and if you bear with me I'll connect it to something that happened last week with Katie and I when we were in Georgia that was significant enough to me that I wanted to bring it back here and providentially am able to share it in this sermon so one of the main arguments for homosexual marriage goes like this Jesus never condemned homosexuality so because Jesus never condemned homosexuality homosexual marriage must be fine the beginning of that is true that Jesus did not condemn homosexuality directly there are sins that he condemned directly like covetousness hypocrisy adultery lust murder but you will not see any verses with jesus condemning homosexuality directly but he condemned homosexuality indirectly by defining marriage for us matthew nineteen five. jesus said therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh so here's what Jesus didn't have to do. He didn't have to identify every single perverse relationship man can conjure up, whether it's homosexuality or incest or bestiality or any number of other things, and then condemn those. Instead, what he can do is he can give us a definition of what something is, and then everything that does not meet that definition is wrong. And so he gives us this definition simply concisely that marriage is a relationship between one man and one woman and then everything that doesn't fit that definition is condemned now one of the reasons i want to mention this even though it might seem like a detour from the sermon is last week we were at a church that's near atlanta and recently andy stanley has been getting some attention even among the elders some of his comments have we shared with each other to be aware of some things happening with him prior to katie and i going to atlanta the pastor of the church dan miller not not the pastor at annie stanley's church but the pastor of the church where katie and i were dan miller i believe is a godly man and because his church is near atlanta to his credit he's been doing what he can to stand up to what andy stanley's doing including writing i think some uh, putting a lot of time and energy into some well-written messages to Andy, to which i don't think dan has gotten any responses yet so andy stanley has gone off the deep end and his mega church is probably going to be part of well if you if you heard some of andy's recent pro-homosexual comments from the pulpit to his church The pastor we were with said you need he's talking to me he says Scott you need to know that he is going to be trying to lead using his church a pro-homosexual agenda that would sweep the nation and so my point is if you start to hear more pro-homosexual stuff not that you're not already hearing a lot from the world but start to hear more of it from the church more than likely you're probably going to hear people say that Jesus never condemned homosexuality and so homosexual marriage must be fine and now I hope you're equipped to respond to that the other reason I mentioned this is I wanted to give you an example of how not to build a theological argument from silence so you don't say that just because Jesus didn't or was silent on something that that builds your theology from it in other words just because scripture doesn't forbid separating children from parents for worship it should not be used as a defense for separating children from parents during worship now to bring some balance to this i was going over the sermon and katie said it almost sounds like you're comparing removing children from worship with homosexuality and that's not what i'm doing because i want to make a point that they're not presented similarly in scripture and because they're not they can't be viewed similarly and here's what i mean scripture condemns homosexuality in numerous places scripture does not condemn children being separated for worship so we can condemn homosexuality because the bible condemns homosexuality but we cannot condemn children being separated during worship because the bible does not condemn children being separated during worship in the time that i've been a pastor the number of pastors that i've met who have had children's church some of those churches i've even guest preached in or put conferences on marriage conferences on for who have removed their children from the service for children's service. i've never rebuked any of them or even brought it up why is that because if scripture is not condemning something then we can't condemn it so this means that as much as i want to have children in worship we cannot hold it as tightly as we hold other things and this brings us to lesson three having children in worship is not an essential having children in worship is not an essential someone told me something helpful early in my christian life that i have still found to be beneficial years later that in scripture the main things are the plain things and the plain things are the main things in other words those things that God finds or wants us to view as being most important are those things that are repeated or that he brings up very plainly those are the things that we should recommend or recognize are the main things and so while I think we should have children in worship and I do hope that you're able to see that biblical pattern from the verses we looked at quickly or other verses you can pretty easily find on your own I do not see that emphasized in scripture like I see love forgiveness repentance service Christ likeness or the gospel emphasizing so what that means is having children in worship becomes a second tier issue or it becomes a non-essential or it becomes something that we must hold much looser than we hold some of these other things that God has made so much plainer in Scripture because here are two mistakes we can make with Scripture first we can fail to strongly address topics that Scripture strongly addresses. One mistake is we can fail to strongly address topics that Scripture strongly addresses, like homosexuality. That was my point because Scripture strongly condemns it, even if Jesus didn't directly in the Gospels. The second half of Romans 1 first, has a strong condemnation of homosexuality, 1 Corinthians 6, discussing homosexuals not inheriting the kingdom of God. But so the second mistake we can make is strongly addressing topics that scripture does not strongly address holding things too tightly that it seems scripture doesn't present as something we should hold that tightly and i would say like having children in worship and i've seen some people do this i've met people who almost elevate having children in worship like with the gospel in a sense it's almost like if if we have children in worship then that's like a guarantee that they're going to be saved act like a church will have children in worship then everything in that church will be perfect i've met people who wanted nothing more than to be able to get a church to just do things that way and have the children in worship regardless of what the theology or doctrine of that church is like and that's simply wrong as much as i love having children in worship it's not the gospel it is not going to save our children it would actually be better to have children out of the worship service hearing the gospel than have children in a worship service without hearing the gospel now second because it's not an essential issue when I describe our church if you happen to want to steal this (laughs) I say we typically do things as families that's how I describe our church I say we typically do things as families versus saying we do everything as families for example here are some of the things that we've done or are doing that I like that don't involve children or wouldn't be considered family integrated do you remember some of the mom's nights out we had And it was a mom's night out because the children weren't there right (laughs) would have been a lot different mom's night out if the children had been there we have the upcoming above rubies retreat which my wife loves she's attending with some of the ladies in the church we have an upcoming ladies conference there's a saturday morning men's group we have the men we've had men's breakfast in the past maybe we'll have those again most obviously we have a sunday school before the worship service some parents keep their children with them while their parents enjoy their kids going to different classes and so the point is we generally do things as families whether it's the worship service beach camp family camp evening service game nights but it can't be this wooden legalistic thing VBS is another example it's one of our one of my favorite outreaches that our church puts on and we obviously don't have families attending that it's probably the reason that we get many of the children from the community that we do simply because parents and I'm not joking like the opportunity to drop their kids off and have A break for a few hours during the summer and that's fine we'll take advantage of that and preach the gospel to those kids while they're here similarly we're never going to have the typical youth group but i'm glad to see our young people doing things together i like the frisbee on sundays after pollock which pastor nathan announced although it sounds like there's some adults like pastor nathan who play trying to trying to bring back the golden the glory days and feel young again (laughs) I was invited out there but i'm not sure i could my back can handle it maybe that's just an excuse i don't know i'm glad my kids have friends their ages that they play with i'm glad my kids get invited to other people's houses we're glad to have other kids over to our house and we never tell people what hey look we only do things as family so if you're having our kids over to our, your house all of our kids are coming <laughs> and katie and me and my mom's been living with us so unless you want all 13 of us... Uh, look, it's 13 or zero. Okay? We're, either all, we're family integrated, and this is how we do things, and it's all our family or nothing. No, it's so... And we don't tell people, hey, we like doing things with families, and so we want your kids to come over, and it needs to be all of them, and you. No, you're not do things like that. So that's my point. Is it's not a not, uh, letter of the law. And I want to take a moment to exhort the young people. In many churches, the youth group which we don't, because we don't go that model, you need to consider that typically that's when young people expect to meet other young people. Now, my observation is our church, or at least my kids and many of the other kids, have not had trouble making friends, but they've been in the church for years. Well, for new people, they're used to sending their kids to the youth group, and then the youth group is where they make friends. And so, because we don't have that model here what do we need from the young people here huh? invite them to, yeah invite them to our tables exactly make friends be friendly be intentional invite them to your your I said your table at potluck i've always said if you really want to have a conversation reach over take something off their plate if it looks good that'll really start a <laughs> conversation invite them to play with you sit with you go places with you we come to church we love each other I see it I see all the friendliness I get the temptation to come to church and just look for your closest friends and just be glued to them but we need to remember God brings unchurched people here new people here unbelievers here and so we can hang out with our close friends but then we need to reach out to these new people and invite them to come hang out with us with our close friends we need to invest in them talk to them be sensitive to them you should really imagine that this church is like your house and if new people come into your house you make them feel welcome right you don't go like this you don't go Pfft, who are these new people in my house what are they doing in here oh they're eating my food they didn't take their shoes off you know you're friendly to them hopefully you don't act that way you make you invite them over you start conversations you get to know them that should be our approach with god's house let me conclude with this hebrews twelve two, looking to jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God if we can keep our focus on Christ what he's done for us that's what's going to allow us to grow closer as a church family it's what's going to allow us to grow closer with our physical family allow us to grow closer with our spiritual family most importantly allow us to grow closer to Christ himself and that's what will ultimately allow us to have a church that pleases him if you have any questions about anything i've shared in the sermon or i can pray for you in any way i'll be up front after service and i'd consider it a privilege to speak with you father i thank you for this wonderful church family i've always felt privileged to be one of the pastors here and to, to shepherd these uh, precious people that you've blessed us with lord i do pray that we would be a family i, I pray we would be a spiritual family and we would see each other as brothers and sisters in christ that we would be able to celebrate with those who celebrate rejoice with those who rejoice weep with those who weep and that any announcement whether it's a birthday or a pregnancy or an anniversary is really an opportunity for all of us to celebrate because we are we are one body here lord i thank you for the children and i i just pray on behalf of of all of the parents here myself included that you would bring these children to salvation at the earliest time of their lives lord we see these these children as uh, treasures you've blessed us with and our greatest desire for them which i say on behalf of all the parents is that you would save them that you would grant them faith in christ open their hearts to the gospel and that they could be a blessing to you throughout their lives lord help us to to worship you as families i pray that it would be a manifestation of what's also happening in our homes during the week thank you for this time bless the pollock help us to be sensitive to new people or visitors or people we haven't really spent much time with before and we ask all this in christ's name amen